Let's take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 7. I want to spend some time in Matthew's gospel with you. What a week, huh? What, what a week. Some of my week has been like high, and then some of the week has been low. And often our Christian life can be like that. And I'm sensing the presence of the Lord and the power of God in my life. And then the next moment, it's like, wow, okay, what's going on here? Has anybody have, ever had a week like that at all? Has anybody had a week like that this past week? Raise your hand. We got Dave in the, in the bleacher seats back in the back. Anybody else? Raise your hand. We all have moments like that. And we have weeks like that. And so when we gather together as a church, it's important for us to realize why God designed Christians to gather regularly. And so we gather regularly here at Harvest because we need each other. We need accountability. We need love. We need support. We need to speak into each other's life. We need the Word of God. We need the Spirit of God in and through all of us uh, to help us in this journey. And so last night, uh, I, my wife didn't know about this. I had preached at Living Rock this morning in Elverson, and I shared it with them, but I don't think she even knew. that Last night, just this spirit of heaviness came over me. You know, like a, a spirit of um, melancholy. And it, it was kind of just, oh no, what's going on here? Has anybody ever had something like that happen to you? It's just in a moment. You know, it's just you're feeling like, wow, there's oppression. There's demonic something or other. And that happened to me last night. But the beginning of the week, it was just like, whoa, cool. Middle of the week, not so bad. But then all of a sudden, last night. And so I came in this morning to Living Rock, and I said, God, no, we're just going to worship you We're going to glorify you. We're going to preach the word of God. And the same for tonight. But if you've had a week like that, know that it's not out of the ordinary. If you want to live for Christ, if you want to walk with Jesus close and and, and really love him with all of your heart, soul, and mind and strength, then expect resistance. Expect the enemy uh, to be around. So if you don't want to live for Christ and you want to live that casual Christianity kind of thing, uh, the enemy's not going to mess with you. You're not a threat. Matthew chapter 7. This is a great section of Scripture. I want to talk about building your house. Building your house. That's the title. In Scripture, house is used in different ways. Of course, a man's dwelling place. We understand that. But it's also a place where the, where the manifest presence of the Lord is. Now, we know that God is omnipresent, which means everywhere present. But there are places and there are special moments when God shows up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, not in, you're not even in a church building, and you're at work, or you're driving in your car, and you have worship music going. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God is, is moving inside of you, and maybe there's tears of worship or adoration and thanksgiving. Have you ever had that moment? The manifest presence of God in your car, right? That happens. God is a God who wants to manifest himself, but in Scripture, we see this house mentioned. David wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord. Why? Because he knew that there was a special manifest presence of God. He said, I love the habitation of your house, O Lord. Psalm 26, verse 8. His growth and vitality, this is David again, was connected to God's house. In Psalm 52, 8, he said, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. You ever thought of yourself as an olive tree? This is awesome. I just love this kind of imagery. I'm like an olive tree, God. Can you imagine David? Have you ever said that before to the Lord? I'm an olive tree. Why don't you just try that out loud? Huh? I'm, an, I'm like an olive tree. Nobody's with me on that. You left me all by myself up here. I mean, think about what David's doing here. 
This is crazy cool. He's thriving in the house of God. He's, he's thriving in the manifest presence of the Lord. He knows that God's house is separate and it's different. 93.5, he said, holiness befits your house. He said in 69.8, zeal for your what? Do you remember it? Your house has consumed me. We're talking about building your house. A leader is admonished in the pastoral letters about their household and leading their household well. Hey, we're an act like men. They're meeting at my house at 7 o'clock. If you're a guy, if you are a guy over 18 and you're not part of Act Like Men, I would encourage you, come. Come. This Thursday, 7 o'clock, we are wanting to be men who lead their households well. Amen? There's only two men on that one. <laughs> Is there any other guy out there who say, I want to lead my household well? Five of you. Okay, I need all men to say amen when I say, do you want to lead your household well? Ready? Go! Lord have mercy. Anyway, act like men. The ladies are meeting on Thursday nights. If you're not part of that, jump right in. Jump right in. Uh, it's, it's, it's an open thing, so just come. If you haven't come, you don't have a book, don't worry about it. Just come on Thursday. Women, go on Thursday. I promise you, you're going to meet with God. The manifest presence of the Lord. They meet at the May's house in Kenhurst. And, and I'm in Wyoming. And so, men come. Make any effort to do that. He talks about a spiritual house in the pastoral letters too. We're being built up. A spiritual house. There needs to be a place where the presence of God manifests. What kind of place is this? What kind of house manifest the presence of the Lord. I remember walking into Northampton, Massachusetts. I crossed into the city limits, and I knew that there was demonic presence there. You're saying, how did you know? Spirit of God. The Spirit speaks to you. And I did not know that it was the lesbian capital of the United States, Northampton, Massachusetts. Didn't know that. It's the presence of the Lord manifest in Northampton. You know it was in the mid-18th century when Jonathan Edwards was preaching in Northampton? And he's preaching, and he's preaching, and then there's a young lady, a teenager, who all of a sudden was getting gripped by God. Started with a teenager. The Great Awakening started spreading all throughout New England, where people by the thousands are getting converted. Northampton today, no manifest presence of God. Manifest presence of evil. Now, there's churches there trying to do a good work. I'm not saying they're not in, the God's not in those churches, but a special manifest presence. You ever been in a place where there's evil that dwells? If you walked into a room, if, we, if you walked into a room and on the walls was nothing but, but satanic pentagrams, and over on this other side of the wall there was other things that were just evil to the core, and they're plastered all around the walls, and if you walked into that room, would there be an evil presence? Sure. Evil dwells there. It's been allowed to dwell there in that house. Can I ask you a question? What's your house like? Would your house be a place where God would say, I manifest myself right here in this house, in this place? I've walked into some houses, Christians' houses, not in this church, but in years past, and I knew that there was an evil presence going on there. There was flesh that dwelt there. Building your house. Let's make it a habitation of God, amen? Our houses need to be a, a habitation 
of the presence of the Lord. So we're talking about building the house, our house, this house, Harvest Reading. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking about this. Verses 21 down to verse 29, there are three principles I want to show you on building a house for the presence of the Lord to dwell. And I want you, listen, especially the men, lean in here. Lean in here because you lead the way. We lead the way. And so I want you to hear what the Spirit of God through Matthew 7 is going to say to you as the leader of the home about having a house that is built for the presence of God. Are you ready? Let's do it. Number one, you build your house by applying rigorously the principles of Scripture. Let me repeat that if you want to fill in those blanks. By applying rigorously the principles of Scripture. Scripture is... Scripture is and was never to be left in our brains. Oh, can we get away from just brain Christianity and academia? I'm not saying we don't learn truth. I'm not saying we don't get into the word of God like we're doing now. But when it goes into our brain and it doesn't come out in our behavior, what is that called? Hypocrisy. And there are Christians who confess with their mouth that Jesus is a part of their life, but his word isn't being lived out in their lifestyle. There are Christians who aren't picking up their swords, their Bibles. They're not picking up Scripture like they need it. A lot of Bibles are going left on nightstands and, and they're not picking it up. Listen, I don't know about you, but this book I need with every fiber of my being. You're saying you're a pastor, of course. Long before I was a pastor, long before that, this book came alive to me. This book was, was, the words were jumping off the pages. I was eating them, and I was crying, and tears were falling on the pages, and I would spend hours and hours. Not to put it in my brain, but to live it out. Watch what Jesus says here. This is, this is important to apply rigorously the principles of Scripture. The Bible is living, Hebrews says. It is active, the same book says. And at Harvest, we believe in authoritative, applicational preaching of Scripture. Do you know the difference? Have you been in a church or in a setting where the word is just, it's given just intellectually, and that's as far as it goes? And you go, wow, I learned something. Or, wow, okay, I got a truth of the Bible. Well, that's great. But I'm going to ask you, have you taken the scripture, you've got the truth, now you're going to rigorously apply it. Like it says in Colossians chapter 3, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. That's a present imperative. Okay, if you want some academia, here it comes. Present imperative. That means it's continuous action. You are continuously setting your affections, your mind, on things above. That's applying the word of God. Here's how you do it. Right now, in this moment, in this moment, as we're preaching in Matthew 7, you're going like this. I'm encouraging, God, help me to keep consistently setting my affections and my mind on things above, not on things on the earth. It's applicational. There needs to be this rigorously. There's a word there I want to define for you. Extremely thorough, diligent, painstakingly. Look at the verses. I want Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. 
Jesus said this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and what? What's it say, everybody? And does them. So you hear the word. Some of you are going to hear the word, but you're not going to do it. Everyone who hears these words of mine and, let's do it again, and what? And does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. He left me up here, just two of us. Thank you, whoever that was back there. It did not fall because it had been founded where? On the rock. Application. Preaching must have application. And it's like this. You're building a house. Can you imagine having a house built? And maybe some of you have done that. I've talked to some of uh, the people I've met in Reading, and they had a house built. And it's exciting. It's very stressful. Anybody ever had a house built? Did your marriage make it okay? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stress in that, right? And so I, I've talked to people, and they're like, wow, that was stressful, and our marriage was really put under a lot of pressure. Can you imagine putting together uh, your house, and, your, and, and, and the people who are building your house are irresponsible. They're cutting corners. They're taking shortcuts, and they're using inferior materials. How many people would want to invest over at least $100,000 in building a house? No. At Liberty in college, I worked for a contractor. We were building houses. I was just a laborer. I mean, I, I can't do a lot of that kind of stuff. So if you can build houses, that's so awesome. I'm just a laborer guy working for this company, a Christian company. Hey, Christian, supposedly, I don't know. They, they said they were. And they said to me, hey, Chris, go get some of that scrap wood over there. And I, I said, scrap wood? I mean, we're building a brand new house, scrap wood. I'm, I'm kind of putting it together in my mind. I'm that sharp, right? I'm in college at the time. And so I'm thinking it through. And I said to him, what do you mean scrap wood? You want me to use scrap wood? Yeah, Chris, just go get the scrap wood. We're going to use that. There's something inside of me that felt a little bit awkward using scrap wood off the... I mean, this was like moldy, gross, soggy wood that had been sitting on the ground for who knows how long. And they would have put that in a brand new house? I wouldn't want them doing that. I want guys who are rigorous about building my house or women who are, who are doing that. I want them rigorous. I want them... I want them fully engaged in all of this using really good materials because so many thousands of dollars are being put into it. I have an expectation of quality construction. Why would we think any less of spiritual construction when it comes to our households? A couple hundred thousand dollars, two to three hundred thousand dollars to build your, your temporary dwelling place, but why aren't Christians building the house where the Spirit of God would love to dwell? That's more important, wouldn't you agree? So important. We're taking inferior materials and consuming, casually trying to, to do it, and consuming all of these inferior materials that are around us and trying to put it into our life, and we're thinking that we're going to build a strong, strong house for the presence of the Lord. Listen, a vitamin a day, and I'm all into vitamins, vitamin a day will lead to some physical health. A scripture a day chewed on and meditate over is so much better. Did anybody read a scripture this past week at all? Please raise your hand. We're Christians. <laughs> Jeff, what scripture? Do you remember? What scripture just... Do you remember that? I mean, you don't have to quote it, the reference. I'm not good at reference calls anyway. But. Does any of them stand out? I know I put you on the spot. Think about a verse this past week. He's the first to go. So, Oh, that's a good one. Do you guys hear that one? For I know the plans that I have 
for you, says the Lord. What does that say? Plans to, to prosper you? Is that what it says? We have that hanging in my kitchen. Anybody else? A, word, a scripture this past week. What do you got? What do you got? Anybody? Paul, what do you got? Nice and loud. And where's that? Do you remember? James. Yes. Yes. Are you trying to do that, Paul? Oh, yeah. We're going to have act like men right now instead of Thursday. We ask each other very pointed questions. And Paul, I know, will live the word of God. He will try to live the word of God. It's important to have the Bible and to not just let it sit there in our brains. It leads to lifeless Christianity. It leads to rote and routine. And maybe you've plateaued in your Christian life. And maybe tonight God is going to bring some kind of a revival. But you need to rigorously apply the word of God. That's how you build a house for the presence of the Lord. That's number one. Number two, avoiding religiously the pretense of shallow spirituality. I want to look at verses 26 and verse 27. Avoiding religiously the pretense of shallow spirituality. You ever heard the saying that says, what is it, a mile wide and a what? Is that just a New England thing? And an inch deep, right? You got a mile wide and an inch deep. How many people would dive into an inch deep pool of water? You wouldn't do that. It would be foolishness. Jesus is saying here that if I'm going to give out my word, I want you to receive it and I want you to do it. And if you don't, it's like diving into a shallow pool. It's like going into into an inch deep of water. You are not going deep enough. You're saying not deep enough academically. That's not what he's saying. But deep enough in the sense of my heart is now your heart. God, I want my heart to be presented to you. I am going to go low before you. I'm going to bow my knee before you consistently. That's what he's talking about. We've got to go deeper. Not, again, not just in knowledge. Man, there's some really smart people out there. There are some really brilliant people. I was at Westminster Theological Seminary this past week. I had an opportunity to spend it with Kent Hughes. I don't know if you ever heard of Kent Hughes. He wrote some books and just a prominent, prominent preacher around the country. And so Lisa and I sat with his dear wife, Barbara, and we hung out and, and they, we shared together and built each other up in the word of God. And, and it was just an amazing, amazing time. Westminster is full of people that are way, way out there as far as intellect. It's amazing. You know, and I'm talking, getting a tour of Westminster and the tour guide is about 33 years old. And of course he has like an MDiv and a doctorate and all this other stuff. And He's given out all this historical theology, and I'm just like, wow, it's like we're having church. I loved it. And I'm not judging this young guy because there are some men at Westminster and women, too, that are studying the academia of Christianity. But like Kent, when I was talking to him, and he has all kinds of doctorates, too. This man follows the Lord. This man and his wife follows the Lord. It's not just up here. There needs to be this avoiding the pretense. I've sat with a lot of men and, and their wives, and I'm telling you, I sat there at that lunch table this past week with Kent and Barbara, and I was like, these people are the real deal. 76 years old. I mean, he's up there, right? And he's been walking with Jesus a long time. He avoids the pretense. Here's what pretense means. It means to make something that is not the case to appear true. That's what it means to have pretense in your life. The the religious institutions of Jesus' day, it was all about this appearance-driven, hiding behind religious words and phrases. You ever had words say to you, or maybe you've said them like, amen, 
right? I was saying that earlier, like, can I hear an amen? And it's not a bad thing. So be it, Lord. Amen. May it happen like that. Amen. How about praise the Lord? You ever used that before? You ever heard that before? Praise the Lord. What are some other words that we use as Christians? Come on now. <laughs> I did not expect that one, Adam. I did not expect that one. How about, how about what a blessing? You ever heard people... You ever, the Oscars, you know, everybody's getting up in, the, in front of millions of people at the Oscars. It's such a blessing. Or how about, oh my word. You ever said that before? Christians say all these kinds, and there's others, lots of them. And so, and, and a lot of times what we do is we get caught up in all this phraseology, and I'm not judging whoever uses these words. I've used them all over and over again. But pretense is not trying to appear with the words that I say so that you think, Man, he must be spiritual. We want to avoid that at all costs. If you want to build a house of God, if you want to build a place where the presence of the Lord is dwelling, we have to avoid this religiously. Religiously. Here's the word for religiously. It's defined as consistent or regular. Regularity. You're trying to consistently not be the kind of Christian that is an appearance only. Man, Jesus does not want that. It is better for you to just say, you know what, I stink. It's better for you to say, you know what, I failed. It's better for you to say, you know what, I'm battling with something. It's better for you to say, you know what, this is who I am. I want to be different. I want God to keep changing me. But I'm struggling with thought life, with my words, with my attitudes, with a habitual thing in my life. It's better for you to say something truthful than it is to walk in pretense and try to appear a certain way because that was going on here it was happening here and jesus is confronting all of that so apply rigorously the principles of scripture number two here's how you build a house for the lord's presence avoiding religiously the pretense of shallow spirituality would anybody say, you know what? I know that in the recent months, maybe years, my Christianity is being challenged and my Christianity is going. I, can, I know it's going. It's going to a different place. It's going to a deeper place. Would you testify of that? And you're saying, you know what? Yes, that's happening to me. That is happening. I see the nods of the heads. Hallelujah. It's happening to all of us in various ways and measures. Number three. Building a house, it's in verse 28 and 29, acknowledging rightly the priority of the Savior. Matthew records the reaction of those listening to his teaching, and he finishes, and they were astonished, it says. The way that Jesus taught was different than what they were used to. There was this authority, and at harvest, this is a pillar. It's called unapologetic preaching of the word of God with authority. Not authority in ourselves. There's no authority in me. There's no authority in my position as a pastor. Not that kind of authority. The authority is of Jesus. It's in his spirit. It's in the gospel. That's where the authority comes from. So when you go to a friend of yours that doesn't know Jesus and you start talking to them about Jesus, trying to get them to repent and believe in Christ, the authority isn't found in you. The power is not found in you. The power is found in the gospel. It's found in the word of God, by the spirit of God flowing through you. But the authority is not on me. It's not on you. 
or position. Jesus is different. So he's preaching here, and he's preaching as one that has authority. I love that. They were astonished. They were amazed at what they were hearing. Here's where we need to go with this. We need to give Jesus our whole self. Some of you have been holding on. May tonight be a different night for you. And you know you've been holding on. And you're not acknowledging that Jesus, yes, take all of me. Take all of me. I'm not going to hold on to any part of my heart anymore. I'm not going to hold on to any part of my life that you're asking me to give up and to give over. And you're going to say to him tonight, yes, Lord. This is it. I'm acknowledging you, the priority of the Son of God in my life like never before. You could be 15 years old. The Spirit of God is right on you now, strongly. You're thinking, oh, man, what's the person next to me going to think if I make this decision? It doesn't matter. Make it tonight. Make it tonight. God is building a house. We call it Harvest He's building a house individually, your house, where you live. Is it a place where Jesus would show up and say, you know what, I like being in your house. I feel comfortable being in your house. Lisa and I have a desire that any time somebody comes over to our house, that people would cross the threshold, and they would know just in the ambience, that they would know by the atmosphere, that they would know by the way we carry ourselves, that they would know that this is a place that we exalt Jesus in this house. I really want that for Harvest Reading too. And Harvest Reading will only be as spiritual as what? Each of our houses, right? So the, the, the stronger that we get as a household, as we're building the house for God, the stronger that we get individually out there as you're living in different places. And then when we come together, there'll be a power that when lost people come to harvest, especially on launch, oh, we're praying for launch, March 25th, we're doing it at the Fox Theaters. You're saying, I just saw a movie there recently. I did, I saw Star Wars. I'm sitting there, it's like, whoa, okay, we're going to have church here. Not too long in the future. But what we're doing is we're praying that when people come into that theater, and they're used to entertainment, right? They're used to going and seeing a movie, and that's fine. But we're praying that this house, it's Fox Theater, but it's the house where God's presence is going to be so real and so active that when people cross through those doors, they're going to be thinking Star Wars. I remember being here watching a movie, but it's going to be different this time. Something's going to be different. They're going to walk through. They're going to be like, something's different here. Then they're going to hear the word of God and they're going to hear worship and prayer and people like you loving on them and reaching out to them. And man, wouldn't it be cool if down that day, that launch Sunday, that first Sunday, we see people born again? Wouldn't that be cool if people accepted Christ that day? Wouldn't that be cool if people got healed that day? Wouldn't it be cool if people's relationships, husband and wife, just got stronger than ever before? Wouldn't it be cool if there were people that were drawn in because they were thinking suicide? They're thinking, oh, I can't do this life anymore. But they feel compelled to come to the Fox Theater, and they're thinking, why? I'm not going to a movie or anything. I'm going to a church. What is going on? And they can't even put it into words what's happening to them because the Spirit is drawing them to hear the gospel. There was a man 
that wanted to end his life, and he's on a bridge, and he's literally on, on the edge, ready to jump to his death. He couldn't handle it anymore. And in the distance, he could hear some singing. In the distance, from a church. And he said to himself, I don't understand what's going on here. On the edge, he's ready to jump to his death. I don't understand this, but I feel like I need to go to that church. It was like the Spirit was speaking to this man right there in that moment of time. And he got himself off of the bridge, and he makes his way to the church. He goes into the church. Here's the gospel preached under the anointing of God, and he repents and becomes a Christian. That can happen on March 25th. It can happen. And we're going to hear stories of people that were drawn in and born again and saved, delivered, healed. Are you ready for that? We're building a house for God. Let's stand. Let's pray together. I think I'm getting a prophetic word. The Eagles are going to win tonight. Amen. Come on. We're going to go have a good time wherever you're going to watch the Eagles. I've not been an Eagles follower. Uh, I know. Don't stone me. Uh, I don't follow sports too, too close, but I'm going to become an Eagles fan, I guess. Is that okay? Oh, I'll get more amens for that than I do for other things in the Word of God. What's up with that? And so tonight, we're going to have a good time watching the Eagles. And, and who are they playing? I don't even know. Isn't that sad? Who are they playing, Todd? Vikings? <laughs> I know. Don't judge me. Let's pray together. Have a great time with the Eagles. Even greater time with Jesus this week. Amen? He wants to walk with you closer than ever before. Pray, Lord, that we worship you in this last song and we make some decisions. And so, Lord, uh, to be able to have a house where your presence dwells in mighty power and miracles and healings and conversions. Uh, there needs to be some decisions in my own heart and maybe others, many others in this room about building a house for a habitation of the God of the universe. So during this song, I'm going to encourage you to pray that prayer through the song. God, I want my house to be built in such a way that you would want to dwell there in mighty power. Where my kids will love Jesus. Where my kids who have walked away from Jesus will come back. And God, we will see things that are just only attributed to your power, your might, your love, your grace. So Lord, through this song, do something in all of our hearts in various ways. In Jesus' mighty name, let's sing together.